Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Hey, would you uh, actually here? Let me give you the message this morning. Just simple message in one sentence. It's, it's this. Our obedience to God allows us to experience his best. That's what we're going to talk about today. You want to experience God's best? Would you join me in prayer right now, Lord? Just thank you so much that we could be here today. And I just, just know that you long to use moments like this to speak directly to our hearts. You've already been doing that here this morning. Just thank you that your spirit is alive and working in us and in this place. And what I just pray that you'd use these words, use my words. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. And, and more than anything, we, we want to hear from you and we want to respond to you, Lord. So give us the faith to respond, not just to listen, but to respond and to receive Lord, we want to experience all that you have for us. And Lord, I just pray for those of us that are discouraged. Lord, I just pray for encouragement right now. Those of us that are weary, Lord, I just get this sense, Lord, that you're wanting to strengthen the weary today. God, that you really are wanting to do something new in, in people's lives and in people's hearts here today. And uh, Lord, I ask that you do that. Do that throughout the rest of our time here together. Lord, we just give you permission to move and to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't you go ahead and have a seat. Why don't you tell your neighbor, God's got great things for you. Come on, tell him. Hey, next Sunday is the last Sunday for our good friends, Steve and Ruth DeVault. They've been here for years, pillars of this church. Uh, if you know them, you know. So uh, we've got a card we're passing around here if you want to sign it and just, you know, just bless them. Or you want to bring a card next week. They're not here today because they're busy packing up their house and they're leaving in a week and a half, but they'll be here next Sunday. Feel free. Get a card, bring it next Sunday, and you can give it to them and bless them and just thank them. Guys, they've been huge. We'll talk more about them next week, but they've been a huge blessing for this, this community, and uh, we're going to miss them dearly. Well, hey, a uh, couple months ago, I was reading this passage in Malachi 3. It's a familiar passage for me, like maybe for some of you, you've, you've read this, you've heard this before, and some of us, if we've been around the church thing, we're kind of like, oh, here we go again is that Malachi 3 passage. <laughs> I know what we're talking about today, and so some of us, we can already get resistant, but I was reading it, again, very familiar for me, and something just resonated with me in these words where God said, I will open the windows of heaven over your life. And I never really, I mean, I heard that, I knew that, I remembered that, but something about it just really 
resonated within me. And I just thought to myself, wow, I just kind of sat back and I just, I really just sat on that for quite a while. Like God literally wants to open heaven over us. Just think about that concept. Because what we see in this verse is not a, you have to do this, but what we see is the heart of God. We see his character. We see his nature. God wants us to trust him in every area of our life. And as we trust him, we get to experience all that he has for us. God literally wants to open the windows of heaven over your life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Some of your translations, if you have your Bible, go to Malachi 3. We'll be there today. Uh, Or you can go to your digital device. Uh, But some translations will say, open the floodgates. That sounds good too. Like he just wants to pour out his blessings on your life. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. This is what he says. And so what does he mean when he says that? Like, I'm going to open the windows uh, of heaven. And really what he, he means is he, he answers it. There, verse 10, we can look at that again. He says, I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. That's literally what he means. And so as God opens the windows of heaven or opens heaven over your life, what's taking place is really an unhindered, unblocked access to God who's in heaven. You and I have an unhindered access to him, to his presence. You can experience all that he has for you. That's what it means to live really under an an open heaven. And when you live under an open heaven, as you're walking in that close, intimate relationship with God, where you're trusting him, you're obeying him, then you can experience all that he has for you in your life. You will experience his presence. You'll sense his presence. You will see his power at work in your life way more than if you and I are walking in disobedience and not trusting him, right? But we walk in that place where just, God, I love you. I want to be close to you. I I trust you. We are going to see God's presence and power at work. You'll see more miracles, more more healings. You'll see God's provision. You'll see his his blessings. But I think even more than all of that, what you'll see is more of him. And that's what we really need. Like, we don't need his stuff and his blessings. We need him. And so obedience to God allows us to experience his best. And maybe I could say it better this way. Our obedience to God allows us to experience him and all that he has for us, because that's what we need. I want to see God continually moving in your life. I want to see you sensing his presence. I love that we sang that song today, let us become more aware of his presence. That's when we're living under an open heaven, we're becoming more and more aware of God's presence in our life. And he strengthens us through all the trials that we go through. No matter what circumstance we're facing, we know God is with us. He is guiding us. And no matter what storm we're in, we can experience the peace of God that does not make sense because we're so connected to him. Let's live in life under an open heaven. And it comes as we trust God and obey him, even in this area of finances. So as we trust God in the area of finances, we're opening up ourselves to God and all that he has for us. I think often we don't realize how spiritual money is. It's a very important part of our spiritual life. Our view of money really affects our view of life. In fact, I'd say your relationship with money, it always will affect your relationship with God. So it's important that we learn to handle this in a way that doesn't hinder relationships, especially our relationship with God. 
And so we want to trust God. We want to obey him in this area of our life. I love what J.D. Greer said. He said, true worship is obedience to God for no other reason than that you delight in God. And I hope that would be us, that we just delight in him. I just enjoy God. I enjoy him. I love him. I just want to be so close to him that I'm just going to continue to do my best in his grace to walk in obedience to God. And I love that he says that's true worship. Like we sang some songs earlier, we call that worship, but true worship is a lifestyle, right? True worship is you and I just walking in that close connection and relationship with God. It's you and I walking in obedience. I love that he says that. True worship is obedience to God. And so it's not just for a moment, but it's all week long. Am I worshiping God? This lady, uh, Joyce Meyer, she said this, obedience to God is the pathway to the life you really want to live. I think there's this longing inside of all of us to experience the life that God wants us to give. We may not realize it's what God wants us to give, but we have this longing in life to experience things with like no drama, like no pain, no heartache. You know what I'm saying? Like no disease and sickness and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is we cannot avoid all of those things in life because it's part of life. But here's what I do know is that God wants to help you, give you strength and show you who he is as you walk through all that stuff. And so as you and I walk in obedience to him, we can experience the life that we long to live because really the life that we long to live is the one that's found in relationship with him. We were born, we were created to be in relationship with God. That's why we exist. So I just want you to experience God's best. I want you to experience what I would call an open heaven over your life. You want that? And so we're going to talk about this and ask a couple questions in this series. And the first question is this. Why does God care about my money? Maybe you've wondered that before. Why is this a big deal? Why does God care about my money? And you think about going to church. People don't usually go to church to hear about money, right? That's not probably not the first thought that came to your mind or anybody's mind. Like, why do we come to church? We come to church because we want to grow spiritually. We want to uh, meet with our friends. We want to worship God. We want to hear some good teaching, preaching out of the word. Maybe you're, you're exploring Jesus. Maybe you're looking for purpose and you're hoping you can find purpose in Jesus. I mean, there can be so many reasons why we find ourselves going to church, right? And going to church to hear about money is probably not at the top of the list. It's probably not even on the list for any of us, most of us, okay? So it's like, why does God care about this? Why should we, we talk about this? And a lot of people have this idea, well, the church is all about money. They're out to get your money. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've felt that before. And I just want to honestly say, I get it. I've, I've seen it. I've been in places like that where it kind of feels that way. It's like, oh, like you, you just need us to give you more money so that you guys can keep doing what you want to do. And maybe you've been in environments like that where they love God, good people, but it, maybe the mission got a little out of focus. And it, be, it felt like it was more about money than it was about Jesus and his calling and his mission for us. And that can happen. Again, I've seen that. Uh, I've felt that. Uh, the, the flip side of that is sometimes whenever we hear about money, we can be a little resistant to So there can be a little bit of that too, right? Some of, sometimes it's our filter. 
in how I respond when, when I hear people talk about money because after all, it is my money, my money, my business. And we can kind of feel that way, right? And so there can be a tension in this topic. So why should we talk about it? Why does God care about our money? And, I, I, and, and here's what I would say. God cares about your money because he cares about you. He cares about your heart. And he wants you to manage your money in a good way. Like, you know that God's eternal truths in his word have incredible principles and truths about how you and I can manage our money. God wants you to live debt-free. God wants you to know how to manage it all well. And so it's important that we look to him and all these eternal principles that are found in here. Um, but ultimately, God cares about you. He cares about your heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's an interesting statement. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart really speaks to the center of our life, right? That's what it means. So when I talk about where my heart is, I'm talking about what I center my life around. That's why we love that question, how is Jesus the center of my life? You might have seen that in the lobby out there on that wall. How am I making Jesus the center of my life? Life. The truth is, I'm centering my life around something or, or someone or someone's. I have put my treasure somewhere. We all can do it. We can treasure um, our family. We can treasure our kids even more than God. And then we hinder our ability to really help our kids grow closer to the Lord because we've made them more important than the Lord. Because that's where our treasure is. We can put our treasure into so many things, you know, into our career, into relationships, into money. It's so many things that we can treasure more than we can treasure God. And so Jesus is speaking a very important life principle. This really is what it is. It's a life principle. It makes sense, and it's true for everyone. Where your treasure is, your heart is. And so what are you treasuring in your life? And the goal is that you and I would treasure Jesus more than anything else. And here's why. Because he will never let you down. Ever. Maybe you've been let down by money before or by your job, or your career. Maybe you've been let down by people. I mean, even those that are closest to you that you love the most, they will let you down. It happens in life. But Jesus will never let you down. Put your treasure in that place. Center your life around him, and let everything else fall into place. So the truth is this. Jesus, he, uh, he, he doesn't want your money. He just wants you. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. In fact, he wanted you so badly that he went to the cross and he died for you. He took care of this thing that separated us from him called sin. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and he died and he rose from the dead showing that he is God, that we can trust him. And he did that all because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That's what he wants. For you to experience the life that you were created for, that's to walk in a relationship with him. You've heard of John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I love that. It's the message of the Bible in one sentence right there. It's like the, it's like the simple gospel right there. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could experience a relationship with him. God just wants you and me. He wants to be in relationship with us. That's what he longs for. 
I love how the Amplified says John 3.16. Listen to this. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Amplified always amplifies things, right? It's Good name for that translation of the Bible. Adds all the descriptors to what the Greek words are meaning and saying there. So it kind of amplifies the description of what's going on. And so it says, believes, whoever believes and trusts. Did you see that? Whoever believes and trusts. So that word believe really connotates this meaning of I put my whole trust and my hope in this place. So I'm trusting my life with Jesus. I'm trusting my life in Jesus. I'm going all in here. That's what it is. So it's not just like I believe, like I intellectually agree that Jesus did die on the cross and rise from the dead, and now he's my Savior. It's more than that. It's I believe, and so I agree intellectually, and I'm going to rearrange my whole life around this thing. Like I'm going all in, and Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow you fully and completely. That's what believe means. So when we're saying yes to Jesus, we're giving him all of us, right? Not just part of us. And sometimes we can find ourselves living in this place where it's like, God, I give you everything. Here's everything, most everything. You know, let me help. I got to hold on to this one piece right here, God, okay? Because I know how to handle this better than you. And you just need to trust me on this one, God. Now, some of us might never say that, but that's how we act, right? It's like, Oh, God, no, no, don't you dare. This is mine. This is my area. And we might say, God, you have all of me, but we hold on to some things, issues, areas of our life, areas of our heart, and we haven't fully surrendered because we want to control this area. And what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you enough in this area of my life, and so I'm going to control or handle this area. And so we really got to get to this place where we can trust him in every single area of our life. It's full surrender. It's going all in. And sometimes those things we hold on to, it, it, can, be, it can be relationships. It can be uh, our decisions in life, our career. But oftentimes money can be at the top of that list, right? It's one of the reasons why Jesus talked a lot about money. I remember years ago doing a financial series, and the quote was this, like Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell. That's interesting. Talk about money and finances and stewardship and all that, more than heaven and hell. In fact, it's the number two topic that he talked about next to the kingdom of heaven. And I remember saying that and then feeling very convicted, like, I don't think I've ever preached on the kingdom of heaven. And here I am quoting this, like how important money and finances are, which in the last, I'd say, five years, we have drastically changed that. Like, we are all about the kingdom and we, want, we preach a kingdom gospel, and so it's all about the kingdom. But all that to say that this is an important topic. Even Jesus addresses this uh, a, a lot, and, this is, and I think he knew this was going to be a tough area for us, right? Yeah. That's why he spoke to it. You're all going to struggle with this one, maybe more than other things, and he kept speaking to this because this is an area we just need to grow in our trust. And so when we're trusting our life in Jesus, this is what it really means. I'm trusting my money with Jesus. That's really what it means. A little over 20 years ago when Amy and I got married, I remember we signed this little piece of paper called the marriage license. Remember? We signed the marriage license and 
it was during picture time. We did all of our pictures before our wedding ceremony, and so we were getting a picture of the wedding license signing. And just before I signed it, though, my brother leaned over to me. He's my best man. And he said, hey, did you sign a prenup? <laughs> and I laughed, and, and I laughed, and I embarrassingly admitted, it's even embarrassing right now. I'm like, what's a prenup? <laughs> He's like, what? You don't know what a prenup is? I had no idea in that moment, up until that moment in my life, I had no idea what a prenup was. And so I said, hold, time out, stop everything, Amy, we are going to sign a prenup before we get, and I didn't do that, obviously. I didn't do that. Because even as I learned what it was, it didn't matter to me. I was going all in with her. All in. Like, everything that I have, it's yours. My home, it's yours. My money, my finances, it's all yours. The two become one, and that happened with our bank accounts. The two became one. It was going all in. It's the same thing when we come to Jesus. We go all in. And here's why. Because he went all in for us. Like, Jesus, I can give you my life. I can trust you my life because you gave your life fully and completely for me first. And so this leads us to the second question, which is this. Why do we give? Why do we give? Maybe you've wondered this before. I just want to help answer some questions that a lot of us think about. And here's the reason. Giving is a response. I actually have a couple of reasons. Number one, giving is a response. Why do we give? I'm just responding. What am I responding to? I'm responding to his love. I'm responding to what he's done in my life. Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You think about what this verse is saying. It's saying this. Before you and I ever had a decision to believe or receive or love Jesus, he made a decision that he was going to love us. He made a decision before you ever had a chance to. And he even made a decision, I'm going to love you even if you never believe in me or receive me or put your trust in me. I'm going to show you that I love you. That's what this verse says. Way before we even had a chance, Jesus says, I love you. And so when we give, it's really a response to that. Like, Jesus, you gave everything for me. Like, where would I be without you? So it's a response back to him. He loved us first. We're going to love him back, so it's part of that. Why else do we give? Number one, giving a response. Number two, giving is worship. This is an act of worship for him. Like, we sang songs earlier, and, and y'all sounded really good singing today. It's beautiful. But, and that's a response, right? Like, when we sing songs, we're responding, we're worshiping to him. And it's the same thing for giving. Giving is a response, but it's also an act of, of worship. When we, when we worship someone or something, it's giving them worth. That's what that is. Giving worth to someone or something in my life. And so that's what we're doing to God. When we give financially, I'm giving worth to God. And when I do this, I'm actually declaring, God, you're more important than my bank account. It's an act of worship. You know, true worship can really break things over our life. Have you ever noticed when you walk into service, you begin to worship, all of a sudden your attitude changes? Like maybe you were fighting, your family was fighting, and you just had a bad trip to church that day, and you're just all mad at each other. And it's probably never happened to you, but it's happened to other people before. <laughs> and then you begin to worship, and you're like, oh, God, it just feels good. And you're like, Yoannick, I'm sorry, honey, I love you. You know, maybe you do that, have that moment there. 
There's something about worship that begins to break selfishness, begins to break pride over our life. And when I give, it's the same thing. It's an act of worship that's breaking selfishness over my life. It is breaking a spirit of greed as I give. I, I'm, I'm breaking those things over my life. I'm saying, God, you are more important. Money will not be an idol. So much so that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I break this, uh, this money thing as an idol over my life. I'm, I'm giving as an act of worship. That's why I give. It's a response. It's worship. Number three, giving is it's obedience. That's what it is. So we go to Malachi 3 again, and we look at this. There is a lot in this passage, way more than just the financial stuff. So much here. Like, Back to verse seven. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. So he's talking about obedience here. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then the Lord goes into a funny dialogue with himself. This is quite humorous. But you ask, how can we turn when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When have we ever cheated you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings. Do to me. Hmm. Now God's using pretty strong language here, wouldn't you say? Like, whoa, wait. Back up here, Lord. This is pretty harsh. It can feel pretty harsh. Like, very, very strong language. God says, I'm cheating him if I do this? Maybe your translation says, robbing me? You're robbing me. Whoa. Like, so do you realize what God is saying? God is saying, you actually are holding on to something that does not belong to you. Therefore, you're robbing. You're stealing. You're, you're a cheat by holding on to something that is not yours. You have something that belongs to me. Hmm. This is tough for us to swallow sometimes. Because we like our money, right? Like, I work hard for my money. And so you're saying, my money is your money or this part's your money. God, like, so this, this, is, this is something we wrestle with. Because we like money, right? Never met someone who says, I don't really want more money. <laughs> Doesn't really ever happen. Maybe you're there. Great, awesome. I think I've been there at times in my life but we like our money. We have this idea that like, if I could just have a little bit more. If only I could just a little bit more, God. I could use more money. In fact, I wouldn't mind someone giving me $100 right now. Someone want to give me $100 right now? Thank you, Cameron. That's great. Is that all it takes? Sweet. Great. Now, when I asked that question, some of you were like, what on earth? Like, that's weird. Why is this dude asking for money? Some of your you know, thoughts are going through your mind. Like, is he, is he for reals? Some of you are like, there's no way I'd do this. I'd never give this guy money, especially the way he's asking. Some of you may think, well, I'd like to, but I don't have any money. I don't know. What was going, whatever's going through your mind, Cameron responded and he gave me $100, right? He did it pretty quickly. And why did he do that? 
Well, the truth is, this is my $100 bill. <laughs> I gave it to him earlier. <laughs> so what he was doing was, he was just giving back to me what already belonged to me. Therefore, it wasn't very difficult for him because his mindset was, this doesn't even belong to me. I'd kind of like to keep it, Tyrone. <laughs> I'm sure you're probably thinking, I could run out right now. I made $100 going to church. That's a sweet deal. <laughs> but he gave it back to me because it wasn't his in the first place. It belonged to me. See, the tithe is us giving back to God what already belongs to him. And there's got to be a shift in our mind of this is his. And that's what God is saying. This already belongs to me. That's why he would use such strong language, you're robbing from me. And when you get that mindset, then that principle, which you see all throughout Scripture, it's not just here in Malachi in the Old Testament, from the very beginning to the end of the Bible, all throughout Scripture, this principle of the tithe of 10% is, is, is pretty clear. In fact, when you get into the New Testament, which we'll talk about next week, it's, just, it's even more than that. But you see this principle, and, and you, this is the starting place where God says this, trust me with this. This is what belongs to me. And when you really have this mindset of like, I, I really believe that it does belong to you, it's easy to give it back to him. So every month when I do that, all right, God, this is yours. Now I gotta pay my APS bill. Now I gotta pay the city of Phoenix. Shoot, that water bill was big this week, this month. Now I gotta pay my... Sprint bill, you know, I get paid, but, but like when I give God, it already belongs to him. And that's, that's, that's our mindset. So that's why God would say, you're robbing me because he's saying, this, this is mine. Trust me in this. And that's an interesting place for us to get to where I can trust God with a 90 instead of 100. Okay, so then it moves on to verse 10. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. Did you see that? God says, test me in this, which is very interesting because all throughout scripture, God clearly says, don't test me. Like in the beginning, Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus being tempted by the devil. They're up at the top of the temple, this high point of the temple, high point in the city. And the devil's like, jump off, Jesus, and let, let God save you. And Jesus is like, no, it is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Yeah. Like if I told you, go to the Grand Canyon and just jump off the Grand Canyon and God will save you to show you that he's real. That's not faith, that's called stupidity. <laughs> and that's what literally Jesus is saying to the devil. No, you're stupid, devil. You don't test God like that. That's not how it works. So it's a clear principle. Don't test the Lord. Okay, God, well, if you do this, then I will. Well, don't test the Lord. Except in this one area, God literally says, test me. Oh, okay. So if you really want to test God, here's the place you can do it. Test him. He says, test me in this and see what I will do. God wants to open heaven over your life. And the blessings that he gives you far outweigh financial blessings. Yeah. 
Man, the blessings of open heaven over your life, that connection, God's presence pouring out onto your life, it could be that prodigal coming home, and there's no price tag on that. It could be healing. It could be just restored relationships. It could just, it, there's so many things that God wants to do and can do in your life. God just wants to bless you and pour himself out onto you. That's what he wants to do. He just wants to give you more of him. That's what he wants. And so I promise you, as you trust him in this area, you will experience more and more and more of him. You don't believe me? Test him in this area. Maybe you've never taken that step to trust God with the tithe and give him that 10%. I'd encourage you, try it out in the next few months. Every once in a while, I like to throw out this thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. Just for the next 90 days, test God and see if you can live off the 90, the 90% in the next 10 days. And see what God does in your life. See how he reveals himself to you. See how he pours himself out onto you. See how your relationship begins to grow and blossom in new ways. Maybe it's time for you to really trust God with this area of your life. And I believe God will open heaven up over you. Now, you see that Kingdom Builders brochure? It's in your seats there. If you want to grab that, everyone grab that Kingdom Builders brochure. Turn to the third to the last page, and we have this thing called the generosity ladder in there. Generosity ladder. And you can see it's just this levels of getting. This is what I want to encourage you with is growing in where you're at in giving. And so level one is the initial giver. You can see that's taking that first step to give for the first time. It's a place we all start. We're all going to start somewhere. Level two is that occasional giver has a heart for God and gives when they remember or sees a need or feel they have enough money. Okay, that's that occasionally I'm giving. Then there's the consistent giver. This person values given and has a desire to trust God in this area of their life. So they start giving more consistently. And then level four would be the obedient giver. This is honors God and fully trusts him by giving their tithe. Recognizes that everything belongs to him, belongs to the Lord. And then level five is the generous giver. And this is what we call a kingdom builder. That's why we call this kingdom builders. It's a kingdom builder who gives above and beyond their tithes for the fulfillment and the advancement of God's kingdom. This is something Amy and I strive to do year after year after year. We're given above and beyond that 10% of our life, just consistently given to missionaries, to missions organizations, to, to projects, to like Kingdom Builders projects. And so we're going to announce a Kingdom Builders project that you could give to if you want in the next few weeks. But you look at that, and that ladder speaks to this growth process in giving. And I just want you to know wherever you're at on that, there's grace for that. I really believe there's grace for that. And I just want to encourage you to grow in the grace of giving, as Paul would say. Grow in that grace. Because we, we don't ever want to make anything legalistic. Because again, it all comes back to this relationship with God, just growing in our trust and our walk with him. But the more you study finances and the more you realize this is a big, important part of our life, which is why it's good for us to talk about this, because this is an important part of our discipleship of Jesus. The more you study it, the more you realize, I, I, I got to keep growing in living biblically in this area of my life, not just in other areas of my life, but in the financial area as well. And so I'd encourage you to grow. Wherever you're at, maybe take, some, take a step. Take some steps. But the goal is that you and I could be kingdom builders, given above and beyond our ties to certain projects, to certain things, that, you know, missionaries, just 
kingdom stuff that I just want to be a blessing to as many people as I possibly can. And so for the next few weeks, I'd love for you to pray and consider giving to Love Where You Live. So Pastor Amy talked about Love Where You Live. It's that Tuesday night thing. We go to a neighborhood. We've adopted a neighborhood. And we're just going to bless them. We want to bring them food, groceries, uh, supplies. We want to fix up things in their neighborhood. We just want to be a blessing to this neighborhood and just go and be Jesus to them. That's the whole goal of Love Where You Live. Tuesday night, 6.30, I'd love to have you join us. Uh, it was, there was only just a couple gringos there. The rest of it was the Spanish church. And so we could use more gringos and more bilingual people uh, in, in that as well. Just be fun. It'd be, we'd just love for you to join us in serving our community. It's called Love Where You Live. We kicked it off this last Tuesday, first night. Pastor Amy's going to come and share what happened the very first night. Uh, for, for Love Where You Live. Um, first of all, uh, we did this last year, and it was so good if you were a part of it last year. Um, I want you to share in this testimony. Um, it was actually kind of a big deal. So uh, I show up, and, and these all the people that are doing Love with you Where You Live have never done it before. It's just me and Jaden who have done it before, my daughter. And so I'm explaining them what it is and just kind of coaching them. And we get in the car, and I coach them in how to start a spiritual conversation. Um, I share my testimony with them. We get out of the car, and the first house that we get to, we knock on the door, um, and the guy is so friendly. His name is Ramon, um, and I'm just expecting what we've experienced last year. We're just going to, you know, move forward slowly but surely, bringing gifts. We actually uh, brought ice pops or polar pops or what do you call those? Otter pops. Booze. Uh, you'd be surprised how many adults really are happy to get an otter pop. <laughs> on a hot night. Um, so we knock on the very, very, very first door. And um, it's so funny. One of the gals from the Spanish church was like, this is Amy and she's going to tell you her testimony. <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot, that's what you got from this talk. Okay. We're going to need to work on that. All of you that are a part of Disciple Maker, you understand what I'm talking about. So he immediately responds as a person of peace. A person of peace is someone who is open to the gospel. Um, and he says, okay, I'd love to hear it in Spanish, right? I don't know what's going on. I'm just listening. So she, when she said she's going to share her testimony, then I was like, what are you saying? She's like, I just told him you're going to tell your testimony. So we go into the house and he's just so open. And so I transition before I give my testimony and I just say, hey, do you need any prayer for anything? And he says, and this is with translators, right? Um, an angel, one of the amazing leaders at the Spanish church was translating for me. And he said, yes, I have poor emotional and mental health. I'm really struggling. So I went right into my testimony. Many of you know that it centers around um, mental health. And so I share with him my testimony. And I just, through angel, said, do you want to experience that kind of freedom today? And he said, yes. And Ramon entered, the, I mean, not entered, but he had his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life on Tuesday night. And the very first door that I knocked on, I got the opportunity, the privilege to lead somebody to Christ. 
this pretty special angel and the other um, Spanish church. I'm like, wow, you guys, this is your first time. This is pretty successful. It's not always going to be like this. <laughs> but who knows? Uh, and we just say, hey, he brings out his Bible. He says, I've never been able to really read this. So we establish a go group with him. We're meeting him next Tuesday. And God just kept opening doors. Every person we met with wanted to join the go group. So when we go back to Love Where You Live, we are we're going to start a Bible study with three men who recently have given their lives to Christ. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> but I, I also want to share this testimony personally. Um, you know, Tuesday, I would say I've been stressed because um, an uninsured motorist vehicle hit Tyrona and I's car with Jaden in it. And just a few months ago, and she didn't want to go get checked out. I wanted her to. She didn't. Three hours later, she blacks out at school. And if you know anything, you know that means an ER trip. $55,000 later. This has been weighing on us because this guy is not insured. So I go to Love Where We Live on Tuesday, just kind of, you know, having this way on me, getting the, you know, finding out that it's not going to get paid. And on Thursday, I call our insurance and they say we paid it in full. Not only that, not only that, uh, but the guy that hit us, he said, I just got the statement that said your daughter blacked out and my insurance is refusing to pay it. He said, I at least want to, he said, we told him that it was paid. He said he would do whatever it takes to help us pay the 55000 Who does that? Um, but he, since it was covered, he said, I will pay your deductible that you paid. Because they wouldn't fix my daughter, but they'd fix my car. So, <laughs> Anyways, but I just say that to say, obedience is not just financially. Maybe God is calling you to do love where you live, and you've been so caught up in, I get it, $55,000 bill could be a great excuse to not go to love where you live because I'm, I'm too stressed. I got to get another job or whatever to pay for this. But I'm just saying, guys, let's give our life to Jesus and let's let him take care of us. Doesn't it say in scripture, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And let me tell you, it doesn't always feel like that. I know from personal experience, but God does take care of us when we obey him. Amen. So the message is our obedience to God allows us to experience his best. And that's why we would take a couple weeks and we would talk about this area of our life called finances, because I just want you to experience God's best. I don't want your money. I just want you to experience all that God has for you. And I hope you hear the heart in that, is that I just want you to be a fully obedient follower of Jesus so that you can experience all that he has for you. Obedience doesn't earn his blessings. It just opens us up, opens the door for us to experience and walk in his blessings. That's all it does. And so this isn't about earning it. This isn't like God's a vending machine. I want to push buttons and earn this and all this. No, 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 no. God just loves you right where you're at. And he wants so much more for you. And I just want all of us just to grow in our trust in every area of our life for him, especially this. And here's the prayer. This is my prayer over the next couple of weeks. This is a great segue out of a Jesus movement series that we just in. Psalm 144. This is the prayer. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. 
That's my prayer for you. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow with smoke. I love that. God, would you do that over our lives? Isaiah prophesied this. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and descend. And we see that we might talk about that next week where Jesus, this really is fulfilled in Jesus. He did this. Okay, this happened in his lifetime. Rip open the heavens and descend, God. He has done this. You and I have the ability because of what Jesus did on the cross to live in this place that we would call an open heaven. It's you and I experiencing the presence and the fullness of Jesus in all his glory as we are people of his kingdom. And that's what I want you and I to walk in and experience this week. I want you to experience his presence and his power this week. I want you to experience an open heaven over your life. Do you want that? Would you stand right now? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.